Welcome to KBCast, the podcast for security executives, interviewing people from around the globe on how organizations can operate smarter and stay safer. Here's Carissa Breen. I caught up with Mandy, and what I really loved about this interview was her being her direct and authentic self. Mandy discusses her experience working as a cybercrime specialist and the types of incidents she comes across in her day-to-day work. Mandy touches on her thoughts about where she believes the industry needs to be when it comes to the evolution of SMBs paying attention to cybersecurity and that no one is exempt. If you're keen to learn more about Mandy and her experience, then please keep on listening. So, Mandy, thank you so much for joining me on our podcast. I know it's been a substantial amount of time and every guest that I feel like I keep having on, I keep saying that only because that my intention is always there, but I understand that life gets in the way, things get in the way. But I think it's really important that we have this conversation because, one, I like your approach. You are very direct and you are very matter-of-fact, which I really, really like about you. Uh, I'm also a Queenslander myself, so I can relate on that front. And I wanted to talk to you today to talk about some topics that I think are really, really relevant and a few things that have uh, came up for me in terms of people asking me questions. And I wanted to grab your thoughts on it. But before we do that, I'd love to sort of jump into your experience to where you sort of started to what you're doing now. So over to you. Okay, well, yeah, it's kind of weird because, and I think a lot of people that work in cybersecurity and cybercrime stuff, they they don't have a straight road to it. it. It's it's not like oh, at five years old I wanted to be something and I just chose that career because basically a job is a way to get money to pay bills, and so many of my jobs have just been that way. I will take whatever so I can pay bills. So there isn't a a strict line in my jobs at all, but I think that everything I've done have give, has given me transferable skills. So I've been a musician, a professional musician. I've been um, an artist paid for illustrations. I've been a music teacher. I've worked in customer service. Um, I've worked, I worked for the Australian government for 20 years in a variety of roles, including, including things like um, customer service, complaints resolution, privacy, physical security, data mining, fraud analysis, fraud investigation, digital forensics, incident response, cybercrime intelligence, management roles. So all sorts of diverse roles. But I think that one of the things that I have found mentoring younger people is that they think they will jump into the career of their choice straight from university or straight from school. And they don't seem to understand that a career journey is very can be very eclectic that you learn different things from everything you do and everyone you work with and there isn't just a straight trajectory you're very very lucky indeed if you have a straight trajectory from going to school and going to university going directly to the thing you want to do so um, one of the things that I often say to people when I mentor is that you don't just go straight from what you've learned to immediately being able to apply it because you do need to work you do need to pay bills So having a job that is your interest is an absolute plus, but it might not happen that way straight away. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. I agree with you. Um, First of all, it looks like you're very creative uh, in terms of the music and the the artistic side of things. So um, that's always a rare combination in this space. And I totally agree with you as well. I mean, I, I kind of fell into this industry myself, like... I didn't study computer science or anything like that. And then I was working at a bank in SAP and then I was interested in security and then I kind of fell into it and really learned on the job, so to speak. So I completely agree with you as well. And I never thought that I'd ever in my wildest dreams be in this industry, but I got into it and I really love it. So I guess to your point, 
sometimes you don't get there right away. And I'm lucky enough now I'm sort of doing what I really, really love. And uh, that's been a journey. It hasn't just happened overnight, like you said. So I completely echo your thoughts on that. So let's sort of jump into what you're doing today. And I know that you work across a few different areas at the moment, but an area that I like to focus on in particular is a cyber crime specialist side of things that I know that you, you do. So can you explain some of your experience in this space? Okay. So it, it's, some of it's personal experience because I've always been fascinated in crime and stopping crime and educating people, whether that's physical or online. So I've, I've always done a lot of my own research in cybercrime intelligence um, before I even worked in that space. Um, working as a, in a fraud investigator actually led me into cybercrime issues. And so uh, even if my work background didn't always show that my cybercrime interests, my, my hobbies have and I'm always interested in the psychology of crime so sometimes people are criminals because they're desperate for money sometimes people are criminals because they find it an easy way to get money and sometimes they're criminals just because they prefer the dark side so it's something I've always been very very interested in why people do that I don't think people can ever be an expert in cybercrime because cybercrime is an umbrella term it can be anything from scams to malware to cyberbullying to child exploitation. So cybercrime is a huge thing. But the bits that I tend to focus on are, are your frauds, basically. So the scams or, or where they trick someone to download malware. And I recently wrote a book about that to demystify cybercrime because people keep thinking of people in mysterious geniuses wearing hoodies that hack you. And that bothered me because that meant individuals and businesses are trying to protect themselves from the wrong thing. They're forgetting that cyber crime can be done by huge organisations, criminal groups that are very, very well versed in tricking people. And they think they're just fighting a lone hacker. So they're fighting the wrong thing. So um, I keep myself up to date on all the things that are happening in the cybercrime world, even if it isn't the area that I, I tend to focus on. And I'm, I'm very, very, very lucky where I work now because working at a university, I have access to a lot of amazing people who research things and often send me articles they've written, peer-reviewed articles about different aspects of cybercrime that they focus on. So I'm always learning. And I believe that if you want to specialise in, in this area, you need to keep your mind open, keep learning, learn from everybody, and also know that anyone can be a victim of cybercrime. No one is above that. So it doesn't even matter how clever you are in regards to cybercrime, you can still be scammed. Can you share any of your sort of insights from the research that you're doing at the university in terms of um, what sort of um, you guys are looking into at the moment and what's what sort of come out of some of the research you're conducting there? Okay, well, I'm not a researcher at the university. I'm a manager of a cybersecurity operations centre, but I actually supervise um, some students in a help them in a research capacity. And there is mm -hmm. a research component at the moment that I actually was helping with when I was still in my previous role. And it also is um, it's part of evidence-based policing. So there are law enforcement areas involved with it and we've got a beautiful uh, student who's working on it and she's doing such an amazing job. And it's part of the faculty that I actually adjunct um, that are working on this and it's working on romance scams. So, mm -hmm. yeah, um, and that is a huge component of cybercrime that's often overlooked. Mm -hmm. and so we're just on early days with that, but that is a really interesting, interesting thing to look at. 
I was at an event last year down in Melbourne and uh, the ACCC guys came in. It was really, really interesting talk, actually. I was fascinated by it. And they were saying at the time that, yes, romance scams was number one in terms of the amount of money that was lost due to it. Can you sort of talk a little bit more just for our audience about what a typical romance scam would look like? Well, I don't think there's any typical because it can be a variety of ways, but um, it tends to be, it could be someone approaches someone on social media or it could be that they use, someone is using a dating site. They pretend to be someone they're not. They pretend to be in love with the person. They quickly gain rapport. They're very good at the psychology of people. They hack humans. They know what to say to convince someone that they love them. And then once they have that rapport built, they start trying to con them. And that's in a nutshell, basically what it, what it is. And they are experts at psychology because they're using a person's psychology against them. And again, anyone could be scammed in a romance scam too, because no one knows what position they will, they will be in at any time and how they're feeling. So people that perpetuate romance scams are experts at reading people and knowing how they can get in and get an edge and gain rapport and trick them. So they're, they're purposely sending out messages that will trigger some people and the people they trigger, they'll then start working on. Would you say from your experience and knowledge um, in this space that because of online dating and, and, and things sort of being a little bit more like doing things virtually in terms of trying to contact people to, to go out with them, for example, would you say that romance scams have definitely been on the rise because of our digital channels? I think romance scams are on the rise because it's easy to do. Mm-hmm. So, yes, possibly because of digital channels, but I believe criminals will take the easiest route to do something. So mm-hmm. if scamming people via romance scams is the way to go, they'll do it, just as mm-hmm. people that do phishing will send out millions and millions and millions of phishing emails hoping that they'll get a target. It's very easy for them to send out these emails, and even if they only con three people, that's a win. So I think that any cybercrime that involves scamming or fraud is just going to use the easiest options. So, yes, our, our digital community, the way that people live their lives online is certainly um, an impetus to this, making this a popular type of scam. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. The other thing since this COVID uh, situation happened, unfortunately, that I was reading ACCC was the dog scams, and one of the girls on my team is actually going to be writing an article on this uh, because people were lonely obviously wanted to go and purchase a dog, which I understand. And apparently the last uh, stat that I read was like 300,000 AUD that was lost to just people uh, paying money for dogs that was a scam. Do you know much about this at all? I just know that it's just another scam that happens at that. Criminals are opportunists. And, yes, I have have seen quite a lot of it happen. Mm -hmm. It's quite sad. But criminals Mm -hmm. are opportunists. They take low-hanging fruit they will do what they can to con people and they will take advantage of situations um the COVID-19 pandemic has been an absolute gift to them because they mm-hmm. will scam people though um I, I have seen scams where where people have advertised gaming consoles knowing that people want a certain gaming console and can't get mm-hmm. and that was actually been scams that people have been paying for them and they didn't eventuate because there was no console so people will will scam in whatever way they can. And with with dogs, people want pets. And so they're going, Mm -hmm. yeah, they're lonely, they're isolated, they need pets, so let's scam them on this. Or another scam is um, when they're pretending to be World Health Organization or or sending phishing emails that say Mm -hmm. important COVID-19 information from your HR department. So they're just – criminals will just use whatever is around. They're topical. They've got their finger on the pulse. 
they they are very good at open source intelligence. That that's why none of us can ever sleep on this. We have to keep mm-hmm. alert because criminals are keeping alert. When you and I started talking, I mean, I've seen you online and stuff like that, but I think my initial outreach to you was because someone had contacted me, worked in the recruitment industry. Uh, there was uh, this was a while ago, so I can't remember the specifics of it, but there was something going on in terms of uh, a machine being compromised from memory, and that's how you and I started talking. Now, I don't know what happened with it, but that was one of the reasons why I wanted to get you on here anyway because I hear a lot of it, and I think that a lot of people come to me to ask these types of questions because they, I think they feel afraid and they don't know where to turn to. So I'm really keen for you to explain your opinion on this area. And are you really concerned about what's happening out there in terms of businesses? And when I mean businesses, I kind of mean smaller businesses as well, as they don't really know what to do when these sort of situations arise and they feel incredibly vulnerable and they feel stressed. I could hear it in their voice. And I'm, if I can't help them, I try to connect them with people like yourself that can help these people. I'm just really keen to get your thoughts on on that area as well in terms of uh, how people are responding to these types of things. Well, I think that more needs to be done to support businesses, um, specifically the small to medium businesses, because they can't afford to have huge security teams and they can't afford to have forensic experts and things like that. And they also are spending all their time trying to make money because they're a small business. They don't have time to think about the security. And I think more needs to be done just even from a community perspective where people who do know things should be helping these people, even if it's for free, just sharing insights and supporting them. Um, because things happen, it's they don't even realise that something's going to happen. They hear about the cybercrime, they hear about hackers or whatever, and it's not on their radar because they're more concerned about getting their business running and making sure their business is promoted and they're making money because it's their whole livelihood. And I think that the whole concept of cybercrime occurring to them is, is not something they're even thinking about until it happens. So I feel there needs to be more done to to help these people understand that they need to be very wary of cybercrime, even from an individual perspective, because if a criminal wants to get at you and you own a business, they might try and get at you personally first, get your individual information to use that against you in scams. So I, I would really love to see some way, even a community effort where people can support small to medium enterprises. I know, for example, there is a, a really good organisation, OzCert, that proratas it, its membership for people depending on how much money their business makes and they support all businesses and all sorts of members and, and they also have free information on their websites. But the trouble is, do these businesses know that people like OzCert exist or no, that there they are places they can go to, to to find out information. So I feel it's up to all of us who do know where there's information to make sure it's shared so people know where to go and know who to ask. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's something that I'm sort of seeing myself personally. I actually, there was another lady that approached me through someone who referred me to help her and I, I actually ended up helping her in the end, but I could just hear it in her voice and she it was incredibly stressed. Social media accounts got hacked and their machine got compromised and whatever else happened. And I talked her through it and she actually wrote back to me recently and she said, Carissa, thank gosh you helped me. You have no idea the amount of stress that I went through because I felt I couldn't get answers from the internet. And then I was going to all the right channels like ID care and all these places, but they couldn't really help me. And you actually spent the time to actually help me. And for that, that I'm really, really grateful. And actually made it, it meant a lot to me because I put myself in her position. I had empathy for her to be like, 
wow, you must feel that you can't like really helpless because there's not a lot of information out there. And, and how do you filter it? And where do you go? And who do you trust? And she's not in this space at all, right? So it's she's not even in IT. And I, and I really felt for her. And I said, you know what? Don't worry about it. Let me know if I can help you in the future or anyone else or if I can refer and just ensure that you can pay it forward. So perhaps if someone asks you for help, you can you can help them out. So getting a lot of those requests, and that's why I sort of interesting point that you made around the community side of things because I think a lot of people do come to me because they know I'm in this space and not specifically because obviously I don't cover everything, but I think I can actually help connect people with the right people like yourself or whoever that can help these people because I think they just don't know. Yeah, that's right. And if you don't know where to go, you're going to be helpless. I mean, like today, and I actually wrote on LinkedIn and when you're, I was talking to you and your producer, someone has cloned my account and my Skype account that someone had attempted to compromise it. I know what to do. So I don't freak. I just go, okay, I'm going to fix it. But what if this happened to uh, what I would call a normal end user? And they'd be going, you know, what do I do? I don't know how, how to start. Where do I go for help? And I think that's a problem. That That's something that I feel is an obligation and a duty, maybe like noblesse oblige, of anyone that does understand cybercrime and cybersecurity to any extent to, mm-hmm. to put themselves out there to help other people. Yes, part of it is our paid job, but part of it I believe that we should be sharing our skills and, and sharing information where possible to help other people. And I know quite a lot of people like yourself and like a lot of my peers who will do that. They will share information where they can. But the problem is um, we only have a small network of people we can share to. We have to keep getting that message out there. And what happens it tends to be that our network are all people like us anyway. So how do we get the information out to the people who need to know? And that that's the hard part. That's a really good point. I mean, that's a whole reason why, well, one of the reasons why I wanted to start the KBI brand or business up is because I, when you go to security conferences, right, it's like, what is the main issue we have in security? And majority, most people answer security awareness. And I was like, I'm hearing this a lot. I'm hearing this a lot. But then I kind of felt, like you said, we're all talking to each other. Well, not all of us, but a lot of people are talking to each other who are security professionals themselves about security. And that is, and that's obvious. And my, my question was, how do we as an industry, even outside of Australia, penetrate other markets, perhaps the people that are not security people? Cause these are the people that really need to know this stuff. Not everyone else. Cause everyone else already knows it. We've got to penetrate the markets of people that have no clue on this space that are losing money to dog scams or romance scams and stuff like that. And that was something that I I was kind of sick to death of people claiming about security awareness, but then sort of not really doing a lot about it in terms of really penetrating hard. And I think to your point, we need to bound together as a community and have a unified approach on how we actually achieve this from an industry perspective, but then also from a, an Australian public perspective as well. There's a lot of people just recently that have, falling victim because of COVID and the dog scams and all these other things that are out there as well. And, and to me, it really bothers me because it's, it could be something that could be mitigated quite easily and it are just not quite there yet. Yeah, I, I absolutely agree because anyone, as I said, anyone can be a victim to cybercrime, anyone at all. But the more aware we are of it, the more we are able to put mitigations in place or fix things. And if we're only ever talking to our own community, our own very, very, interrelated community of, of, of law enforcement, intelligence, cybersecurity people. We already know the stuff. We already know what to do if something happens to us. We need to reach out further and get to the people that aren't 
in those spaces, the people that don't work in security, those people that, that are normal end users, because there's more normal end users out there than there are tech heads. And so mm-hmm. we need to be able to get out there and, and get them to see things. I know a lot of us share things on LinkedIn, but we're really only sharing to each other. You know what I mean? Like I, I might share something and go, look, I've been this, I've seen this scam come through or look, someone's compromised my Skype account, which is what happened this morning. And yeah, okay. I've, made people aware, but the only people I'm really reaching are the people that are already in my network in a way. So they're people that already know this stuff and already know what to do. And I always, I'm always thinking, how do we get out to more people? How do we get this information out there? How do we show people that it's not something boring? It's not roll, don't roll your eyes. It's not a techie thing. It's a human problem. And, and I, I'm always trying to work out ways to do it. I mean, one of the reasons I wrote that book was because I'm trying to get it into the hands of everyone. Mm-hmm. And, explain it's it's not a, a mystery thing it's, it's crime like any other crime um would you you know put get, open your door of your house and tell criminals this is where i i live and and i'm not going to be home and my door's unlocked please feel free to come in and steal my stuff no you wouldn't and and people are cautious about walking in dark alleys at night by themselves so mm-hmm. just as we have a physical security perspective, we need people to understand that cyberspace also needs someone to think about their security. And and just as when you bring up a child to look both ways before they cross their road for their own physical safety and security, we need to bring up children to understand that cyberspace is just another place people live in a way, and we need to have the same security and safety thoughts that we do as we do in real life. Yeah, I agree with you. And I think to your point, uh, I think the message needs to be disseminated across multiple channels then as well. Like, for example, I have my my own personal Instagram account and it is for my personal reasons. A lot of people do follow me on there in the industry, but there's a lot of people that I've worked with before. I've known them from high school or wherever it is. And a lot of them message me all of the time like, hey, um, I had this weird Gmail alert thing uh, in terms of looks like someone's trying to log into my account. Can you help me? Or, hey, what's your opinion on COVID Safe app? Or, hey, what do you think about this? These people are personal trainers, they're hairdressers, they are doctors. They are keen to know this. And I think because they probably know I'm the only person in this space that they know that can yeah. help them with yeah. this stuff. So I think as a community, I mean, I don't have all of the answers, but I'm just trying to nut it out with you here is I think we need to look to different channels and look at where those people are residing on those channels, right? Like, I don't know, maybe more millennials are on Instagram, maybe older generations like my parents' age are on Facebook or whatever it is and more professionals are on LinkedIn, but we need to have a plan and a strategy on how we're going to go about speaking to these people. And then I guess even like school students as well, like cyberbullying is massive as well. Like it's it's on the rise and there's a lot of suicide rate. Uh, the suicide rate has increased, which is really disappointing from my perspective. And so I think that my question was always, if we keep talking about awareness, but then I, I still don't think that it's really getting there in terms of the outcomes that we all talk about. And my question is like, why can't why can't we be, be doing better? Like there's so many good people out there. Like why... Why are we still in the same position we were like years ago? Yeah, worse? and I think it's because, well, firstly, things keep evolving, so we're never going to keep up with it. And number two, you even did it yourself. You only talk about digital platforms. You're going, oh, you know, LinkedIn or Instagram or whatever. So the message needs to be further than digital platforms. Mm-hmm. Some of the people that are conned would only go to a digital platform to read their emails. Yeah, or they'll go to digital platform because they work and at work everyone uses a computer as a word processor. Yep. So um, in your own how you thought you could go across it, you've just shown that people are thinking too narrowly. 
don't just spread the message on a digital platform. Spread the message in many, many different mechanisms and different media. Have television ads about it, radio ads about it. Have it in people's faces. You know, I, when I was a kid, I remember there was this um, five-minute ad that used to go on about looking both ways before you cross the road. It was during kids' television time. And I don't yeah. think it was really an advert because I think ABC might have run it, but it used to be about, you know, look both ways before you cross the road and there was a little song with it. So that was getting children aware of road safety. So I think if you want people to understand cybersecurity and, and cybercrime and how to keep themselves um, safe from this kind of thing, we need to look at different media. So you having a podcast is a great media because it, it's people listening to something. Having something, I have a Twitter account where I often share cybercrime stuff and the people that follow me are uh, very eclectic. So that's really cool because they reshare it. But what if you're not on Twitter? Mm. What if you prefer to read books? What mm. if you prefer to watch TV? So there has to be a variety of ways of doing this. And I agree. Over the years, people keep going, cybercrime awareness, cybersecurity awareness. But they say it and then they try and do the same old, same old way of getting mm. through to people. Yeah, cybercrime no. evolves all the time, so we have to keep evolving. We are so far behind the criminals, so we have to try and keep at least up with them. We're never going to get ahead of them. And so we have to keep thinking of different ways of getting the message across mm. and all be consistent with messaging and do it across different mechanisms. And even like you're doing, people reach out to you. People reach out to me as well because they see that, you know, I seem to think I know what I'm talking about sometimes. <laughs> and so they'll reach out to me and go, hey, I've got this, I don't know. Um, and this is good because people should ask. I ask, I'll go, I've seen this. Does it look fishy to you? Because not, you're not going to know everything. Mm. But people need to know who they can ask, where they can go for help, and also need to know that they should be asking and need to know what is suspicious because too many people don't suspect things. I have a naturally suspicious personality. I don't trust people. <laughs> so that's really cool for us because we're not trusting and we're going, well, you know, look into this further. What is this? Um, but a lot of people don't. A lot of people are very kind, generous people that – really believe the things when someone approaches them and says, my mum's in hospital, I haven't got a job, and could you send me $10,000? So people are, are, you know, they're getting hit by this kind of crime, by scams. Mm -hmm. And how do we make people more aware that things could be a crime, could be a scam, could be fraud? How do we put it in people's heads to question first before they do something? If someone contacts me and asks me for money, I'm going to be questioning it, even if it's someone I know. So people need to start questioning things. They, it is really sad that criminals are using people's human kindness against them, but they are. Mm -hmm. So we have to think of ways, different ways to get the message across. And I think mm -hmm. your podcast is a really great idea. Uh, I'd never heard of it till I LinkedIn met you. Mm -hmm. So that means that even though you've got a great podcast, people might not necessarily know it's around. So Yes, these are great things around, and yes, they're, they're increasing awareness, but are people even knowing that they exist? And that's another thing. How do we promote things like this? Yeah, I agree, and I agree in terms of, yes, not just social channels and digital channels. I think it goes beyond that. I absolutely agree, but it's sort of targeted demographic of people of where they would predominantly be, and I think mainstream media is another one. I don't personally watch mainstream media, but I know a lot of people do, so that's another avenue of getting in front of the, the right eyeballs that perhaps watch that type of of uh, channel. Uh, and I think that, uh, yes, it's going to take time, but I think it's going to take people that think outside the box and haven't just done the same old stuff 
I think, like I said, that was a reason why I was over it and I wanted to do things differently and I wanted to bring a modern approach to it and stop boring people uh, with the, the stock standard stuff. And I think that uh, we're trying to do that. Uh, even we're working on ways to penetrate the message beyond our in little industry and beyond digital as well. And I think that that takes time, but it also takes sheer sort of dedication and tenacity to really push through that as well. Uh, and I, and again, I think that no one should fall victim to any of these things. And that's a big reason why I started doing what I was doing because I was, I wanted to make a difference and a change. So it's good. It's good to know that we are on the same page when it comes to this type of stuff. And it's good to know that we've got people out there that think the same, that want to see the change in the world. Yeah, absolutely. And I mean, the reason I agreed to be on your podcast was that um, I realised that that you were very intent on helping the community and and helping spread the, the messaging so that people don't get scammed or don't fall victim to cybersecurity incidents. Because it, I mean, the, like I said, cybercrime is an umbrella term. There's lots of things. It could be malware, DDoS, ransomware. There's there's a lot of things. Child exploitation mm. material, things like that. Cybercrime is huge. It takes a village. And I think the more people that are aware of it, the better. And none of us are ever going to be experts ever because it just keeps changing. But what we are of are course. vigilant. We're vigilant. We're alert. We learn from each other. And we need to show everybody who uses technology, regardless of how they use it, how to protect themselves. You teach a child when you give them a key to your front door, when they're old enough to be trusted with a key, you tell them to make sure they lock the door before they leave the house. So if we're teaching children that kind of safety, we need to teach them from a very young age the safety online as well and security online. When I see little kids playing with iPads, I really cringe because I'm thinking, are they actually taught how to safely and securely use this or are Mm -hmm. they just giving it? It's just a toy. So Mm -hmm. a lot of of that worries me and I think a lot of people in the community are doing things, but I think it needs to be a more widespread and concerted effort. I know, for example, that um, a friend of mine, Nicole Stevenson, she is a privacy expert, and she actually goes to schools and talks about uh, online safety and things like that, and she also is involved in an organisation um, about cyberbullying awareness. And so she she puts herself out there to help children, young people be safer and more secure online and talks about, you know, privacy and oversharing. And this is such an excellent thing because she's getting to young people who need this information. But we need to get to absolutely everybody. So I think I do believe it's a responsibility if we know something about this that we need to share it. I, I think it's it's something we need to do. It, it's not just we, it's our job because I could work in anything and still want to help people not fall victim to cybercrime regardless of what my job is. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. No, I agree. And actually, Nicole was one of our um, guests on our podcast as well. She was absolutely excellent. So um, uh, I, I agree with you. And I think, as I say to people, like it's not just about businesses and, and people that work in IT. It's everyone has social media. Everyone has online banking. Everyone has a digital footprint out there. So I think that people are naive if they think that they can't potentially be impacted by stuff like this. And even just like speaking to some of my friends, the only reason why they have like multi-factor or two-factor authentication or anything, or even know about half the stuff is because of me. Cause I've like drilled it into their brain to be like, you need to do this. If they have any problems, like I feel like I'm their 24 by seven help desk and I don't mind because I I'm glad that they're asking because I would hate for them to say, Hey, I just lost like $4,000. Cause I thought I was buying a cute dog and yeah, yeah. I, I don't have one. Exactly. Uh, I don't mind. That what you've raised there is, is, is something very important too. People shouldn't be afraid to ask. 
So it doesn't even matter what you're working in. If you do work in this industry and you're still not sure, ask someone. It, it never had the shame to ask, is this a scam? Does this look like a scam? Is this fishing? Is this smishing? Is this? Never be afraid to ask because you're not going to be shamed for asking. People want to help. And I will ask someone, does this look like a scam to you? Or someone else who also works in the industry may say to me, I've received this, looks a bit scammy. What do you think? Is this a scam? So never be afraid to ask and make sure the door is open like you have with your friends and associates. Make sure that you are welcoming to people to ask questions. So if you work in this industry and know stuff, or even if you don't work in this industry but know stuff, make sure that you are open to, for people to ask you questions and keep the dialogue really public about this is a scam or I've seen a scam or be careful about the cybercrime or cybersecurity incident. But I also like to make sure the message is out there not to victim blame because it's very easy to victim blame. It is not mm -hmm. the victim's fault. It's the criminal's fault. So what do you think moving forward? Like what, what, what are some maybe some uh... – some advice you can you can share. So if people listening on there is oh, sorry, if people are listening uh, to this podcast and think you know I might reach out to Mandy. She's got some really good ideas. Like, what do you sort of think at a high level we can do as an industry to help combat a lot of this that's happening out there and to and to support people that have been victimized by this type of behaviour? What do you sort of think in terms of your ideas moving forward that we should probably start thinking about? Well. Like I said, it's ever-evolving, and so whatever we do has to be ever-evolving. I don't have a single answer for this. The only thing I think is that we all do what we can to keep spreading the messages. So whether that's podcasts like you're doing or um, blogs or speaking at conferences or making sure your friends are aware of something or keeping making sure that the people you work with are aware of scams i think we have to make a concerted effort and a conscious effort that cybercrime and cybersecurity incidents are not something that is one person's job i think that as an industry we need to keep pushing the message that cybersecurity is everybody's responsibility because it is if you use technology then cybersecurity is your business too regardless of how techy or not you are so i think the messaging we need to keep pushing is that if you're using technology in any form, you need to be aware of cybercrime. You need to keep yourself as secure as possible. If you don't know, ask the people that do know. If you're using this, it's your responsibility. Just like if you have a driver's license and you're driving a car, being safe and secure on the road is your responsibility. So is the using of the technology. So I think the messaging we should be pushing is all users of technology are responsible for cybersecurity. If you want to know more about it, then ask the people who know. But it's everyone's responsibility, not just the cybersecurity team. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Well, Mandy, I've absolutely enjoyed our chat this morning. I think that you and I share a very, very similar perspective. And I am I'm really grateful that you could come on to our show today to talk about and talk honestly about your opinion, thoughts that you want to share and sort of the evolution that you'd like to see our industry growing into. So I really appreciate your time. If people would love to reach out to you because they've got a question that perhaps I didn't ask you myself, how can they go about doing that? Probably best either messaging me on LinkedIn or a direct message on Twitter. So Twitter, it's at Empress Bat. And I have no idea what my LinkedIn is, but I think I gave it to you. So feel free to share it. Awesome. Okay, Mandy. Well, again, thank you so much for your time. I really appreciate it. Thanks again. Thanks, Carissa. Thanks for tuning in. 
As always, we hope you got some new ideas or ways of thinking from this episode. And remember, you can always reach out to our guests if you do have more questions. Don't forget to subscribe to this podcast and we always love to hear your feedback. So leave a review on iTunes and we might just give you a shout out on a future episode. You can find me on LinkedIn as well as on at I am Carissa Breen on Twitter and Instagram. And if you'd like to know more about how we help tech companies, check out carissabreenindustries.com. Until next time, stay safer.